because we are living in a chemical world and I'm a chemical nondescript person. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical girl. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical girl or boy. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical Hello and welcome to Chemical World. I am one of your faithful hosts, Maggie Seldine, Executive Director and Founder at High Rockies Harm Reduction. And I am Kenna Crampton, your other co-host, Membership Director here at KDNK. Thanks so much for sitting down with us today, or maybe you're in the car, or maybe you're out for a run, but for tuning in for another wonderful conversation about recovery, drug trends, and all the intersecting issues with substances. So today's topic of conversation was inspired by an email that Kenna sent me recently about a conversation she was having in the community. And I definitely know from, you know, all the outreach work and farmers markets and stuff we do with High Rockies that having these conversations with people with different beliefs and different ideas is definitely how we learn and grow and expand. And sometimes people say things that can be really upsetting and it's hard to not react defensively. But I like to, you know, bring these topics that are obviously conversations happening in our communities that are important and really look at them from all lenses. So today I wanted to talk about the actual risks of cannabis. And just on that note, I think it is really important to always have conversations with people who think differently than you do, especially in this day and age of just getting different perspectives and understanding where people are coming from and why they think the things that they think. And, you know, we all have our different, our personal experiences that, that, uh, create our biases. And- yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, and reflect why we, why we feel the way we feel. Yeah, but I think, you know, yeah, especially in this time of just so much stress and and so much anger, which is understandable that, yeah, I mean, this is how we learn and grow is by talking to people with different beliefs and being open to those perspectives and listening and just, you know, giving everyone the benefit of the doubt that we're all human beings operating based on our own experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what can be so hard, especially in the world of substance use or, you know, like we're seeing with vaccines right now, that anecdotal evidence, and Kenna, we talked about this. Actually, if you don't mind, we can talk about specifically our conversation about cannabis and pregnancy in terms of this. Like Mm -hmm. when we have anecdotal stories, like this happened to my aunt or my neighbor or my cousin's dog or whatever, those stories stick with us a lot stronger than statistics. Definitely. But that really like skews our perspective. The point of the story is like, you know, so if you had a friend who had a bad experience with cannabis, then you're going to have that in your mind. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah, well, just like when I when I was a kid and this was an example that I used when I was talking to this person was um, when my dad died from uh, his liver failing from alcohol use. I was immediately like, I think alcohol should be illegal. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. I think it should be illegal, which now I'm realizing that I don't really think any drug should necessarily be illegal because I think that it being illegal gives it that uh, that lure for, for kids especially, but for people like, oh, I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to do, you know, but that was like completely just the way that I thought for about the first year after my dad died, like alcohol's the devil and it should be illegal and Yeah, and I think that this conversation kind of started out of a comparison of alcohol and cannabis, and I see this a lot in my work, and I think it's a perfect example. We look at alcohol, tobacco, 
and prescription pills. These are way more dangerous, way more addictive, way more lethal than the drugs that are classified as being the most dangerous and addictive like LSD and psilocybin and cannabis, right? The side effects of these drugs are way worse. Mm -hmm. And even you look at alcohol and, and prescription opiates, for example, alcohol is way worse. Alcohol destroys the organs of your body. I also personally believe like there's a difference between like red wine and like an IPA, like those actually have have health merits to mm-hmm. them um, and you know nutritional value whereas like drinking vodka is like you might as well be drinking fuel like it's yeah. it's it's a poison that destroys the cells of your body yeah and I actually so my uncle Dan who he's my was my dad's cousin there was a point when I was a little bit upset because he's still alive and I'm like how is he still alive when they were drinking together all the time mm. and I, and it hit me one day that Dan drank beer and oh. my dad drank vodka and it just that I think just that simple I mean and my dad also was a painted cars which I think also mm. um destroys the body as well um and didn't wear a mask or anything right. like that but which my mom brought up as well but I was like yeah, that just that difference of drinking beer every day rather than uh, something like vodka every day, I think makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think like individual- anecdotally, <laughs> right? In my experience, no. But I mean, I agree. And if you and I think that the importance too, and what it, for me is like looking at it chemically, right, and what it's chemically doing, mm-hmm. and that's I think you know the. A big part of this conversation, too, is like, yeah, alcohol, the side effects of alcohol are so much worse than cannabis, but it's really a lot, too, with all of it. It's about each person's biochemistry and your individual makeup and your history and all of those things because also, you know, you see the person who dies from lung cancer who never even smoked and then the 95-year-old chain smoker, you know, Mm -hmm. like you just – you never know in this this world. And in my experience growing up here in the valley and then watching – my brother, who's 11 years younger than me, grew up and he's 19 now. You know, I think like with any of these substances, when we act like something's totally safe because it's legal, that's we're, we're perpetuating misinformation and propaganda. And we have to look at like what the real risk is. Mm-hmm. And then so with cannabis, of course, we've seen, you know, since decriminalization in Colorado, um, especially in the first few years, there was a lot of propaganda about some some deaths due to marijuana. And I say propaganda because, again, like I don't think we're looking at these stories from a very scientific lens. Like we look at them like somebody ingested a lot of cannabis and, and died. But what was really happening in a lot of those stories is people are eating way more edibles than are recommended. They're ignoring the manufacturer's instructions. And that's like edibles are, are pretty dangerous in that sense that, first of all, it can be difficult to know. Like there, it can be difficult to have consistency. There can be the chocolate chip cookie effect, right, where say you have a edible candy bar and each square is supposed to be 10 grams one square might be 30 grams and one square might be five. Like it's very hard to determine those things. But additionally, there are very specific instructions that you're supposed to wait to up to two hours for any effect. Edibles can be very random in how each mm-hmm. one works and you know set and setting is very important you know you could take an edible one day and take the exact same dosage another day but it depends on how much you've slept what you've had to eat what your day has been like where you are it can always be different but in all of these cases you know you're not supposed to consume that much and that's what the manufacturer's instructions say but a lot of times people have a hard time waiting that two hour period yeah and I mean and especially if you're 
an addict and you have an addictive personality, it's, you know, the whole point of you taking either whether it's cannabis or drinking alcohol is to get messed up and to take away, like not live in reality anymore. And it's the same thing with alcohol. If you were to drink alcohol the way that the manufacturers recommend it, (laughs) people wouldn't be dying at the rate that they're dying, you know, but that's not the reality of the situation. And so I think it's important to always look at reality versus what we, what the uh, studies show. Yeah, and that's what's hard too is, you know, sometimes statistics can be unreliable. And sometimes when we do research studies in clinical settings, it's not representative of the real world and what's really going on. So that makes it difficult too to just know what's real and navigating this world. But I also think, you know, if somebody's naive to cannabis and they don't have experience and they don't know and they don't read the instructions, you know, and I've seen it all, I see it all the time. Like tourists come to Colorado and because cannabis is legal, it doesn't matter who they are or where they're from, that's Mm -hmm. what they're partaking in, you know, and they might not have any experience. And I think, and I've heard this from um, different people who are in like the cannabis world that if you are inexperienced with consuming cannabis it's really important it's the it's recommended that you smoke it rather than eat it mm-hmm. because eating it can be so unknown and it's and it is hard to wait those two hours and see how it feels whereas if you take a hit then it affects you pretty much right away and you can know like okay I am done mm-hmm. that's all I needed was that one hit <laughs> and I'm good you know so yeah. I have heard that be recommended that if you're if you're new at it don't don't necessarily start by eating edibles yeah that makes sense because yeah edibles can be pretty intense and unpredictable mm-hmm. and it can be a very different high mm-hmm. But that also brings up another, you know, potential risk of cannabis is anytime you smoke anything, you're damaging your lungs. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I know my doctor recommends for medical cannabis use, you know, trying tinctures and stuff like that. But it's also interesting. I think that there's so much to be said about, like, just being addicted to a route of administration. Like, I've definitely heard of people, like, just injecting water or whatever, just for that feeling of injecting. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, it was actually really interesting. I took a hit off a dab pen and it did nothing. Like I took multiple hits off a dab pen. It did nothing. And then I took just a hit of flour and it was like, that was what I needed. So it's Mm -hmm. weird how our brains like get used to these certain ways of consuming substances and also just how all of our brains are different and, and can react to things differently. But yeah, it also brings up the point that, you know, now what we're seeing in cannabis culture is is these really high percentages. Mm-hmm. And that is so, so different than what we have seen historically, you know. For many, many years, you know, 10 to 30 percent THC in flour w- was pretty common. You know, these these lower percentages, 10 to 20 percent. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if anybody out there in the country still knows what swag weed is, but I remember back in. 2008 buying you know weed that looked like almost heroin like it was like hard and brown and like in a little brick you know (laughs) I don't know if you can still find that anywhere but like it wasn't good is my point like before decriminalization unless you know you lived in the areas where growing has been plentiful like maybe parts of Colorado or Northern California it was very hard to get high quality cannabis now we're seeing legal 
wax and shatter that is way, way higher in a THC percentage. I mean, we're mm-hmm. looking at 60 to 80 to 90% THC compared to those lower 10 to 20% what we see in flour. And so that's another interesting thing that we don't really necessarily think about because, again, we all just get like stuck in our own cycles and understandings of like what's wrong and right. But um, that these high potency strains, this is actually, you know, there is a potential risk. Mm-hmm. And my understanding, because I actually learned this not in college, not in my own experience, but where I learned most of life's greatest gems working in a gas station, (laughs) that if you have a hereditary predisposition to any kind of psychosis, be it schizophrenia or bipolarity or, you know, any of these um, potential mental illnesses that are very hereditary already – Smoking cannabis, especially high potency THC like dabbing, can potentially trigger psychotic episodes. And so in this climate where we think that there's nothing wrong with cannabis because it's legal, it's medicinal, you know, it's generally like the side effects. I I definitely would advocate I would rather see people using cannabis than using alcohol because, yeah, look at the side effects of cannabis like you smoke and then you just watch too much TV and eat a pint of ice cream cream versus you drink alcohol, you pick up your car keys, you go score a bag, you know, the way mm-hmm. the things can really spiral Start out of control. Fight. Yeah. Cheat <laughs> on your husband, whatever, you know, like we've all been there. And so, yeah, obviously we think of alcohol as being so much worse because not only is it hurting our organs so much more, but it's also making us do stupider things in general. Cannabis they, you know, some studies show that cannabinoids have cancer protecting properties. Clearly, we've seen a lot of success with CBD and cannabis treatments for epilepsy and, you know, um, in helping with uh, reduce the symptoms of chemotherapy. Like there are some great medicinal values from these substances, just like well, I think that cannabis probably has more medicinal value, but just like opioids in theory have medicinal mm-hmm. value, right? Yeah. But again, it goes to the fact that addiction is is not about the substance. So I use medical cannabis, and it's interesting because I was having a conversation with somebody about how I always wanted to quit smoking cannabis until my doctors and therapists all convinced me that it was a medical drug. <laughs> and so it's just kind of interesting to look at that, like, oh, I, and because I – think of my relationship with cannabis as like I see that there is still addictive behaviors, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I know that I myself am an addict. I follow a harm reduction pathway where as long as I'm, you know, doing well by myself and doing well by my family and friends and coworkers and who cares if I'm smoking cannabis to treat my pain and emotional issues and whatever. But in reality, it's like this isn't actually necessarily where I want to be. But the doctors have convinced me that it's an okay place to be. I might have just went off on a tangent there, but I just think it's kind of interesting. Well, I can relate to that very much because I – the same thing with, yeah, my therapist. She says, well, if you're just getting stoned and watching TV, it's way better than what you used to do when you'd get drunk and start fights or – or whatever it was, drive. I I absolutely loved drinking and driving. So it's so that's one of my biggest issues with alcohol is that I just always feel like I can drive mm-hmm. when I can't and I have done some damage. But anyway, that's beside the point. I do not drink anymore, so it's okay. Um, but I do think it's also important to to make the distinction between CBD and and THC mm-hmm. cannabis because 
CBD doesn't actually have that psychoactive effect. Right. And so it, it if you are looking for the the medicinal value in cannabis, CBD is definitely the way to go, especially if you don't want to alter your mind. And there's but we I think it is always important to remember that cannabis is still a psychoactive THC in cannabis is still a psychoactive um substance. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, while the side effects may be less mm-hmm. and less and certainly less life-threatening than other substances, it like so for me cannabis wasn't even really a part of my addiction when I was drinking, when I was using. I never really used cannabis or hallucinogens cuz I was trying to escape myself, not get deeper into that mess. So I can feel confident now that it's not necessarily threatening my recovery or my sobriety or whatever to use cannabis, but it's like, okay, yeah, I'm just I'm not doing the things I was when I was drinking, but I'm still dependent on something that mm-hmm. helps me escape my inner reality, you know. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing for me is that dependence that I have been, yeah, really trying to work on not having, and it's really difficult. I like I don't think that cannabis is as for me personally, it's not it doesn't affect my life in a bad way. Mm-hmm. But there's that, like you said, dependence on it that I totally feel. I oh, I it's it's um I really I'm definitely dependent on. It cannabis so yeah and that's been a struggle for me you know with my surgery earlier this year and trying to deal with that pain and not using other painkillers that I think would be yeah worse but Mm -hmm. then having an almost like greater dependence on cannabis but that was kind of just really what I wanted to address with this episode is that there is the potential for addiction and dependence on cannabis, that there is a difference between CBD, flour, wax, all these things. There are differences and that that potency and the presence of THC really makes a difference, that these high potency waxes and shatters are doing very different things to our brains mm-hmm. and can potentially lead to psychoses. This goes back to the reefer madness days and those stories. You know, there was a story about a young man who smoked cannabis and murdered his family that young man had a pre-existing condition. And so, again, it's not and, – and I don't want us to go back into these reefer madness days. I mean, it is very different, you know, these potencies, these substances we're, out, we're having out there now. But it's not the chemical itself. It's the predisposition for psychoses in the individual that is triggered by that high-potency cannabis. And I think that's a really important statement just in general when we are talking about addiction, which we've hit, we've touched on before, that it's not always just about the substance, which opioids are proven to be an addictive substance. But when it comes to people who are addicted to alcohol, like so many people drink alcohol and they are fine. Mm-hmm. I'm putting quotations over that. <laughs> but um, a lot of the time when people become addicted to any kind of substance, it's because of a predisposition predisposition of their life, their trauma, their whatever it is in life that has affected them to make them want to escape from reality and how often they want to escape from reality. You know, it's not for some people, it's not about just having a glass of wine to unwind at the end of the day and kind of chill out. It's more about escaping reality and getting blacked out wasted and so I think that it's really important predispositions make a huge difference in how we intake substances 
Yeah, I was just, I find myself thinking recently, who are these people who just come home and have a beer after work? And like, how do they make <laughs> that work? Them, but people um, do it. Good for <laughs> you, you guys out there drinking your IPAs after a hard day's work. I salute you. Um, but no, I think, so one thing I've always thought about the hereditary, the hereditary nature of addiction is that there's two factors. There's the, you know, everything is biopsychosocial. We have to look at all of the elements that contribute to who a person is. And so there's the physical factor, the, you know, genetic predisposition, your parents were addicts or alcoholics, Mm -hmm. and their parents were probably too, and all that. And then there's this like social predisposition where you're raised in this climate of alcoholism and Mm. addiction. And like you were said on last month's episode, like, I'm just an alcoholic, and that's who I am, you know, and Mm. how there's all this, this pride too. And it's like, that is, that's who you are. That's who your family is. It's like, we were talking about shameless earlier. My partner always thinks it's funny on that show. They're like, because that's how Gallagher's do it. And he's like, why are these Irish people so proud of like, you know, their name? Like, like there's this pride of being a dirt bag, you mm-hmm. know, and that and that's so true in, in this world of addiction. And then as far as, you know, the, the addiction itself. So that there are also a lot of factors there. Right. So there's a physical addiction and a mental addiction. And so with chemicals like opioids or alcohol, there's absolutely a physical addiction. There's a physical withdrawal that you can experience that can be potentially life threatening with mm-hmm. alcohol. And it can be very, very uncomfortable. And that's often, you know, one of the biggest things that keeps people in the clutches of alcohol and opioids, which on the sideline, there are medications that exist that you can get clean without DTing or withdrawing. So just putting that out there, you know, then there's this mental addiction and also just, you know, the way we build habits and we carve these pathways. I always talk about imagine the brain is a field and if you take the same pathway over and over again, you just you dig that pathway into the field and you become ingrained in that, right? Mm-hmm. And so addiction, you know, they say is is mostly mental. And again, too, that that, you know, the addiction with chemicals that are legal, like alcohol or cigarettes and nowadays cannabis, that is a much more difficult addiction to overcome simply because of the cultural acceptance and that it's everywhere, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can walk into any store and buy it. And so that makes it much more difficult. But so, yeah, there's this physical dependence that certain chemicals will create in anyone like opioids. And then there's this mental addiction that is is so much more rooted in that trauma and, and those experiences and that need to escape the self and that need to escape reality which I'm sure everyone can relate to in yeah this the end of 2021 <laughs> where yeah. did 2021 come from and go I feel like it's just like 2020 take two yeah totally it was definitely just a yeah 2020 2.0 like <laughs> It's a little different, but pretty much the same. So yeah. we'll see what 2022 has to offer. And that is when we will be back next year. <laughs> this has been a great year um, for us with Chemical World and with High Rockies Harm Reduction. And as hard as 2020 and 2021 have been, there's also been a lot of positive outcomes that have come from it so sometimes you just gotta remember and hold on tight to those positive outcomes that you know may have happened so yeah and I I saw a beautiful little cheesy sign the other day that I just felt was really needed in my life at that moment it was let your faith be bigger than your fear and Mm. my 
So that's what I'm trying to go into 2022 with, that I have more faith in the power of our communities and the power of change than I do fear that we're not going to raise enough money to get this stuff done. But <laughs> I just yeah, want to say a huge thank you to everyone who listens, everyone who supported Chemical World and High Rockies Harm Reduction. We are so lucky to be doing this work in such an amazing community where it's so needed and so supported. And whatever holidays you celebrate or don't, I hope you have a wonderful, snowy, cozy December and look forward to, yeah, seeing y'all in the new year with, yeah, a lot of good momentum and, and change for positive things to come. Well said. And thank you from me <laughs> to everyone for uh, supporting Chemical World, High Rockies Harm Reduction, and KDNK as well, of course, uh, because we wouldn't be able to have these conversations so openly uh, without KDNK giving us that opportunity and I just think it is really important to help get this education out there because I think this is so new. Like we were saying last month, is it's just it's a whole new way of looking at addiction, a whole new way of looking at recovery, a whole new way of looking at people in general, and which is one thing that I think is so important. So remember that we are all human and we all have our own struggles and we all bring our own personal perspective to the table. So from personal experience. So be sure to follow Chemical World, High Rockies Harm Reduction, and KDNK on Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow Chemical World and High Rockies Harm Reduction on Twitter as well. And if you'd like to listen to past episodes or extended versions of episodes, you can find those at kdnk.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will be back next year on January 10th. And check out High Rockies Harm Reduction's YouTube page for lots of cool videos on how to keep you and your friends safe. Thank you, Maggie. And is there anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I think you caught it all. Okay, cool. (laughs) Thank you. And remember, you don't have to be sober to keep your community clean. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Drugs may come and drugs may go and that's all right, you see. Experience has made me rich and now I can use safely. It might be beer, it might be dope, it may even be caffeine. But we all have a little something that keeps us on our feet. What's important is being safe and stopping the spread of disease. You do not have to be sober to keep your community clean. Cause we are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical girl. Oh boy, we are living in a chemical world and I am a